Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Doug Skeen, this forum. That was hilarious watching. Uh, hold on. Skeen. There it is. Yeah. Watching uh, Hutch and uh, his dad. His dad's just got to be in heaven, man. It's crazy. I so, think I think that Chris is pretty proud of Aiden. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Well, I yeah. think Chris is proud of all of his kids, but yeah, it's cool to see them. You know what Aiden has started here. It's insane. So. He owns this town. They absolutely love him. So well, they they will as long as they keep winning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How's the baby, Megan? Megan had a baby, Doug. She's yeah, congrats! Good. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's in the other room. My dad's awesome. watching her right now. Then she starts daycare on Monday. So. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a big event. Been dreading that. Yeah, I think dad will yeah. have to drop her off. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, oh, my God. That's but, tough. yeah, nice working. I'm not a, I'm not a stay-at-home mom. No. If there's one thing we learned, I need to be working. Right. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do a great job for us, right. and we appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All yeah. right. Well, yep. I am ready whenever you guys are. All right. Welcome back to another edition of the Ballas and Skeen Show, the Wolverine.com podcast. And we're going to be doing some more of these. Uh, as Doug Skeen told me off the air, he said he needs some boat gas money. <laughs> we're going to try to fund his, you know, these first world problems here. Yeah. These guys with huge Come NFL on. settlements and all that. And, you know, he's got a bad toe, so he gets a million bucks to retire. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's that's why I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and we've got some questions for you. We've got some questions about door hardware on here. I did uh, oh. actually, yeah, I put some, um, put some questions on here from our subscribers to ask you. And there are actually a few about door hardware. Because all right. No, no topic right. limits. So, uh, in fact, we'll go to the first one uh, real quick. Clayton Safey, our Clayton Safey. What rhymes with door hinge? So we're going to put you on the spot right away. All right, never mind. We'll pass on that one. So we are actually here to talk about Michigan football. And really what I wanted to talk to you about today, Skeen, was Josh Preeb, this kid from Northwestern, who I was watching his film and I'm like, man, you know, every year Michigan gets a couple portal guys that really plug in and really make a difference. And we've seen them the last few years right at center we've seen olu oluwatimi we've seen drake nugent we've seen miles hinton we've seen ladarius henderson on the on the offensive line i gotta tell you i'm watching prebe's film and i'm like this guy seems to get it here 
And uh, it's really one of those additions where a lot of people have overlooked it. They haven't really thought much about it or talked much about it. It's uh, okay, just another guy. But to me, it looks a little bit more like that. I sent you some film. I wanted to know what you thought. Just your first impressions. Well, first, well, first of all, the question is why? Why? Why do? You, why? Why is it that these talented guys that have proven to be pretty doggone good offensive linemen wearing the Michigan uniform? Why are they coming to Michigan? And the answer to that is because of the guy that's been developing this offensive line, and now is the head coach at Michigan, Sharon Moore. So I don't. I don't think if you're a transfer guy and you and you have aspirations to get to the NFL, you're going to take your time and your effort to a coach and a system that you don't believe is going to get you to the next level. So we've seen the track record now for a few years, and the track record is very good with some of the things that Coach Moore has been able to do with these transfer guys in short order, one year or less. So they're clearly coming in, they're coming in with talent, and they're taking it to the next step with a good group of guys in the room and we've seen the results, you know, putting guys in the NFL right and left now at Michigan off the offensive line, like we used to many years ago. And obviously there's many, many great players, but there was a little bit of a lull there, Ballas during some of the dark years, uh, you know, with which with Rich Rodriguez, the offensive line fell off the radar at Michigan and now it's back and it's back because of Sharon Moore in a large part. So, Specifically with with the Preeb kid from Northwestern, I watched the film. It was a game last year, I think, against Duke. I watched that. And right off the bat, just looking at the kid in his uniform and the way he moves, I'm like, this kid looks like Zinter. He looks like Zach Zinter playing right guard. Wow. And just, I think physically he looks like him. Uh, I think the way he moves, he reminds me of him. And there's a couple things that he does really well fundamentally and technically. So those are my first impressions. This kid's got some talent. He's clearly tall enough, long enough, moves well enough, both both right, left, straight ahead out of his stance, but also in pulling motion, moves well in space. And then and when he gets into a one-on-one, he's got sticky hands. He, he keeps his feet. And, you know, defensive linemen like to try to wrestle you off of them like you see our, our defensive linemen do the guys, and, and Graham does that really, really well. Um, when defenders try to do that with Preed, he doesn't get thrown to the ground. You don't find him on a butt cheek laying there watching a defensive lineman make a play. He keeps his feet. And good Lord, that's half the battle in, in going on inside an offensive line. So the, the, the first impressions are really good with this guy. Yeah, I gave our producer, Megan, five minutes heads up, and we got the pictures. So thank you. Uh, she asked what else we were talking about today, and I said recipes or something. I don't know. We're kind of winging it, man. But uh, I appreciate that, Megan. So this kid is built like a uh, like a rock, so uh, moves, like you said, very well. Uh, I'm excited. Now, when you look at this offensive line, to me, the biggest question mark is, who are your tackles, right? If you look at Miles Hinton, who struggled at right tackle, now people are talking about him playing on the left side. That concerns me a little bit. Uh, Andrew Gentry, in the little bit that we saw him, uh, he can play right tackle, and uh, but left tackle, you know, I don't know. Uh, of course, we said the same thing about Ladarius Henderson. And yeah. guess what? This kid comes in and you win a national championship him, with him. But part of that, too, is having a quarterback like J.J. McCarthy, who was so uh, inherently gifted at realizing where pressure was coming from and feeling it. So you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. You don't know if he's going to have that same set of skills. So who are your tackles here? Uh, in, your, in your estimation, I love G.O.L. Hottie at guard. You know, Greg Crippen's probably going to be your center. Preeb will be your other guard. Who are your tackles? Is it yeah, going to be Gentry and Hinton? So Hinton, I think Hinton's got to be one of them, Ballas, yeah. right? So so, and, and if you just look back at, at 
at Hinton's time in the lineup at right tackle, it was a little streaky at times. And then I think he had an injury and found his way out of the lineup uh, eventually. And then when Barnhart was the, the permanent guy, and then of course the rest is history there late season when, when Zinter got hurt. But I think Hinton's got all the tools, right? And this is a big wide dude who can move pretty well. And, but you understand you go back and you, and you figure, okay, with Hinton, he played a lot of football last year for Michigan. What is he doing right now as we speak this offseason? He's got to get himself physically ready to go to do the things that the tackles at Michigan or any any program for that matter have to do well. You cannot get caught flat on your feet and bend at the waist and pass pro because you're going to get your quarterback killed. Mm. And so regardless of who the quarterback is, he's got to come into this year in the best physical condition that he's ever been in to make, to be able to make it with a high level of performance through the season to play either right or left. And I know a lot of people get caught up in the, who's going to be the left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. Of course, if you're a right-handed quarterback, this is your blind side. We all know how that works. Um, there has to be a comfort level ballast with a guy that can play both. So I don't know the history of Hinton before he got to Michigan. Did he play a lot of left tackle where he I came know. from? Because they're, you know, the, the X's and the, and the O's are the same. You have a right side of the line. You have a left side of the line. No matter what the plays are, you just flip the technique. Instead of your right move, your right foot moving first, your left foot moves first and vice versa. The biggest challenge for me from going from right side to left side, and I watch guys do it to this day, is you just get used to a right-handed stance, two-point or three-point, and how to move out of it when you do it a couple million times over the course of a few football seasons. When you move over to the left, all of a sudden it's it's a little awkward. It's like asking you or anybody else, would you write a paper for me with your opposite hand? <laughs> you could probably do it. Yeah, it would take you a while, and, and the handwriting may not be all that pretty, but you could probably do it. But over the course of time, you'd get pretty good at it if you had to practice it for a while. But with with the with the idea of hitting moving to left, how much time do we have and how fast can he adopt? Yeah, to, to the, the opposite weight balances and moving the opposite foot. There is a factor there. So do I think he can do it? Absolutely. How fast can he adopt and, and make the change to be effective at left? If that's where he needs to play, that'll be on him to be the challenge. And in the meantime, Coach Moore and uh, Grant uh, Newsom, they can do things with him at left tackle to help him out in the form of slide protection or getting help over on that side as you do with any guy yeah. who's going to play the opposite tackle. Great question, Ballas. And this is where the depth, and this is where I feel comfortable three or four or five years ago, you and I had these conversations like, Oh my God, if we have any, if we have one injury, yeah, we're screwed. We're in a lot of trouble because the depth was pretty doggone thin. I feel pretty good about whoever coach Moore is going to get in there at the tackle position because we've seen the depth prove its worthiness just in this last season and the season before that. And so you listed the names. I'm sure that whoever it is come September is going to be pretty good. And then my expectation is by mid to late year, they're going to be really good. And look at Ladarius last year. Yeah. At left tackle, he was in, then he was out. Then he was in, and it's like, oh, he got flat-footed there, and he got our quarterback killed. And then he was out. I think it's going to work out fine again because of the because of what Sharon Moore's been able to do with this group. They'll get somebody in there and, and they're going to be pretty good by the middle of yeah. the season. 
I like Gentry, and I remember seeing him at the College Football Hall of Fame last year and how much different his body looked. Those guys that go on those missions, you know, I don't think people understand. When you take a couple years away from the weights and stuff, uh, the Herschel Walker workout doesn't really work anymore, right? All these push-ups and sit-ups and and, and everything else. And uh, Well, so, it, can, it can, but it goes fast, right, for, for us middle-aged fat guys. Um, yeah, pretty much, boy, yeah. When you, when you, even when you're young like these guys are um, – if you stop training because your life has changed and you're doing other things, when you stop the, the that's just training, Ballas. But remember, what these guys are going through is brutal, high intensity training. When you stop doing that, you lose that pretty quickly. In a matter of a week or two, it hurts just trying to start back up again. So it's a great challenge. It is. And he looked the part, I'll tell you, he came a long way and he said, I still have work to do, but I feel like I put myself in position. You could sense a little frustration there. This was a top hundred kid overall coming out of high school. Right. And uh, transfers from Virginia. And now he's waiting his turn behind these guys. But that's something that I love about this group is that they are hungry. Gio Alhadi, when he gets out there, he, he pushes people around. Right. You can tell uh, Gentry is going to be the similar, similar type of guy, you know, uh, with me, with Miles Hinton. And I look at Miles Hinton's body, and I was looking at those Alabama kids on the field before the game. He reminds me of those guys, uh, the way he's built, right? But he's got some technique things to work on. Uh, you can see that the potential is there. Uh, with Gentry, I, I saw him improve every time he took the field last year, even if it was just limited action. Uh, this is a guy who I think is going to be a next-level guy. and uh, But you could sense the hunger as well. So um, to me, it's a matter of – repetition obviously as you always say and, and these guys playing together but i think they have the pieces for a really really good line and and i really kind of like what i've seen of crippen when he's been in there over the last few years so the indicators that you you just mentioned crippen are the same indicators that you've seen from uh al hadi and the same thing now with gentry and you can see the same thing with all the other guys we've watched play really really well it's this little x factor when guys get out there ballast in 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 when you slide off a block, what does your body do? Do you stop and, you, and the shoulders go down? What, what kind of those, those just fractionary moments that happen out there are indicators of success. And so are we going to be able to, uh, um, you know, adopt and quickly pick up the pace uh, with a guy that has a high energy motor and can run and do really, really well? Uh, the answer to that is probably because they play with a high motor and they have a great amount of effort and they try their asses off when someone's default position is like that. Now you're talking about guys like Aiden Hutchinson. The technique and the results will come when you have a motor that runs at a high RPM. Yeah. Speaking of Aiden Hutchinson, we were texting the other night. We were at the Red Wings game. I took the young guys to the Red Wings game. And there's Chris Hutchinson, your former teammate and good friend, still good friend, and his kid. And Aiden's pounding a beer. You want to talk about a kid that owns this town now, man. It was uh, unbelievable. Slams his beer, throws the cup, and then I think initially immediately passed out because he hasn't had a beer, his dad said, in a year. When's the last time you slammed a beer, first of all, Steve? Uh, like that. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a minute. So, um, that's disappointing. Number yeah, one. Well, Number you know, hey, I'm not, I'm not, how old's Aiden? 25, 26. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not that anymore. I'm, I'm past that in my life, but I do drink more than one beer a year. So yeah. Aiden's a little more disciplined than I am these days, but, uh, of course he needs to be, I suppose, but you know, Hey, hey again, I think just by default, if you're Aiden Hutchinson or you're Al Hadi or anybody else that if you just have that kind of energy, 
about what you're doing, no matter what it is. If you're playing for the Detroit Lions or you're playing for the Michigan Wolverines or your local high school in the world of football, guys that just are like that are going to be at the top. They're just going to rise to the top. Yeah. And others you see, you know, Ballas, how many guys over the years and decades have been watching now? You see guys that look the part on the uniform. They have all the physical God-given skills, but they don't have the motor. Yeah. And they just don't produce. Yep. And yet yep. you see guys that maybe have a little less God-given talent, but a high motor, and all of a sudden they're all Big Ten, all American, and they're off to the NFL. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's you just never know where that's going to come from. No, you don't. So uh, I am interested to see how it's going to gel this spring. I, I am confident in Grant Newsom, 27 years old, I believe, though. Uh, young guy here coaching the offensive line. It's good that he's got Sharon Moore by him. Uh, does that worry you at all? Young guy in that position like that? You know, I would say years ago, I would have said yes, because mm-hmm. the, the culture years ago was these guys that were coaching at, at you know, these big schools like ours at Michigan were dudes that had decades and decades of talent. And there was a there was there was a different dynamic in the game of football. I think you had coaches that were older guys, you know, they're in their 30s, 40s, or 50s or older. And there was just this old wisdom that the players just had about them. And you know, I think I think in in both in the head coaching world now in in football and also the assistants across the board, you just see younger and younger guys out there. The X's and O's is not the hard part, Ballas. Uh, Grant can teach this. Uh, you know, the X's and O's part, the, the most important part is does he know his players on a personal level to be able to push buttons on them and demand greatness out of them and get them to strive to achieve it? That's the special sauce between any coach and his players to know when to push and when to take them to the ledge and make them feel that they're going to fall off, but they find new heights of their game and their performance that they didn't have before. That's what Jerry Hanlon did for decades in Ann Arbor. That's what Les Miles did when he was there and was is my coach. And they all do it in different ways. And this is what we don't know about Grant. How is he going to motivate his guys, and what is he going to do to get them to be as great as they are? Coach Sharon Moore, I've never seen him in practice. I don't know how he relates to his guys, but I can tell you the results are obvious. He got what he got out of them by pushing the right buttons at the right time. Grant will have his own style, but the X's and O's, he already knows. That's the easy part. Yeah, those guys loved Sharon Moore. We'll see how they adapt to Grant Newsom. Uh, I love the kid, and I'm really grateful. Uh, after what he endured with that leg injury, to for him to be able to make this kind of money at this level and be a coach. And Jim Harbaugh told us a long time ago that this kid's going to be a star in this profession. And I love to see it. Uh, it couldn't happen to a, a better guy. So yeah. good for him. Let's ask a few questions here. Um, one, Andrew Fine says, given we are replacing the entire offensive line, starting offensive line, plus Trente Jones, do you have a favorite of the next generation that you're excited about going into next year, one of these players that you really want to see? Oh, I, that I really want to see? That's a great question. So yeah. in, specifically in the offensive line, of course, I always start at center. I think the Crippen kid, when we first saw him two or three years ago, Ballas, mm-hmm. get into a couple uh, backup situations when the game was out of hand, maybe it was a spring football game too. I'm like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Because you could see him flying around. His He was always around the football at the end of the play, helping the guy up off the ground. And those are always guys that bounce out for me yeah. because it means you're playing with a high, that high motor again. So Crippen is definitely one. Now that now that the superstars are out of the way and a guy like Al Hadi has had to mm-hmm. wait his turn, 
I can't wait to see what this kid's going to do at left guard. I think it's going to be left guard. And so those two players, because I've seen a little bit out of them, I know what they're capable of doing. Yeah. They both have this, the, the same kind of energy, those guys playing together. And now you throw in the pre kid at right, right guard from Northwestern, who we've seen plays with that kind of energy. I think that bodes really, really well. So those are a few names that jump off the stage. And then there's going to be somebody, Ballas. Yeah. There's going to be somebody else that's going to step up that we weren't expecting that's going to be like, wow, look at this kid. And I don't know who that is. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's it's funny because, you know, you, you see these guys and you're like, well, it's time for new blood. No, if you had your preference, obviously you bring everybody back and you run it back and you win another championship, right? But it's there's always something exciting about seeing the next generation of players come in. You know, the Doug Skeen replacing the guys before him and and he's waited his turn for three years and now he gets to get out there and be part of a special offensive line. Really one of the best offensive lines we've ever had here at Michigan. Uh, these guys last year were pretty damn good the last few years as well. I got to put those guys right up there with you guys. They're there, Ballas. They, that, that team and what these guys were able to do and the statistics are, are they're amongst the very best. Of course, yeah. I'm, I'm biased with the 92 line. The yeah. 97 line was better than us. And I think the 2023 line, because of what they were able to do in the moments, they did things we never did. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and so hey, you got to take the hats off to them and say, again, that group, that team, the best ever to play there. Yeah. Now we can say, you know, I would say Jake Long is probably the most, you know, the individual, the best left tackle maybe I've ever seen wear the uniform in Ann Arbor. There's always individual grades. I think Steve Everett is the best center that ever played at Michigan. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to all the left tackles and all right. the centers that ever played there. But as a group, last year's offensive line. And don't, don't forget, oh, by the way, All-American goes down in the Ohio State game. We still have two playoff games, three playoff games to go win, basically. And they didn't miss a beat. Not at all. In Not fact, at they ran the ball better. <laughs> it was like, it's just and Ladarius there and at left. It was just just an unbelievable team that we'll talk about forever. I, I'm blown away. Yeah, we got to get you your uh, national championship book. By the way, um, I will sign it for you. I promised I would. So uh, and decrease the value. That's Thanks. my joke. I'll, I'll make that joke never hits with anybody. When we <laughs> play golf, I said I've got my tee here, Bob. So there you go. Ready to play golf? I'll 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 make sure you sign it. Right that, there. there you have it. All right. Can I get a um, picture of you signing it too for the? No, no. Let's not do that. We don't want to make it even worse. Uh, okay. Um, Shane J. Shane Johnson wants to know: uh, Did you ever play on a line where you had to re replace four or five guys? And how much of a jolt was it? And how long did it take to mesh? I never played on a line where we no. had to replace four or five guys. That was just the way it worked out for me. But I can tell you, after the 1992 season. Four out of five of us left, and the only one returning was Trezell Jenkins at the time. Yeah. And as it naturally happens, when you play football at Michigan, you know, you're connected to so many of your friends that were underclassmen. They're still there. And so you keep a very close eye on them. You keep in touch with them. And it's never been easier for these guys to keep in touch today. But I remember after we left, um, some of the assistant coaches that we would go back to Ann Arbor and talk um, had said that, as great as it was to have us go through the program and leave with the Rose Bowl championship, and that was all fine and wonderful, the challenge for that next group to come in behind, both physically, as far as the reps go, the experience goes, but also the, the, the challenge for them to step up in a leadership 
group, the offensive line is always a leader of your team, regardless of the individual leaders on it. So when you have strong leadership and championship performance, the next group has a high mark to try to meet. And that group that followed us struggled a little bit. And I remember some of the coaches saying, you know, we all, we're going to try to work in more players on the field more often so that this doesn't happen again because it was such a challenge for them. Not that they didn't have success, Ballas, but the teams that did come after us, I think they went eight and four and eight and four a couple of years in a row there. And they had a few problems because none of those guys had any experience because we played the whole time, except when it was 63 to three. And, you know, those guys got in there. But in a meaningful time when things were tight, those guys had no experience. So that's where the challenge is going to come in for this group. I never had to do it. But looking back over my shoulder after we left, it was like, yeah, I can understand. Those guys are learning in the biggest of moments where we got to learn integrated in and moments and times when it wasn't just a full flush out of four four guys out of five and now it's it's almost five out of five although you know again al hadi and crippen have got some time in there yeah we're bringing in a portal guy who's got some experience but not in the michigan uniform yep now i remember talking to doug karsh i called into his show as a fan in 1993 we were talking about the offensive line after the first game when he was back on local radio in ann arbor uh, when local radio was elite and he said, I remember saying to him, you know, we are as weak at tackle as we've been in a long time. And he goes, yeah, I agree. And uh, I think that was my first call ever to him. And he's like, hey, you know, make sure you call in more often, you know, good call and everything else. And uh, and I was like, wow, the great Doug Karsh, you know, uh, really liked my question. I've really arrived, you know. <laughs> and, of course, now. You know, look at, look at you now, Ballas. Now he's just a clown that I have a beer with every now and then, <laughs> you know. So, but um, but that was it is interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how these guys adapt. But there's a lot of there is a lot of experience here, guys, and that's yeah. the thing that I pe think people are kind of sleeping on is that these guys have played a lot of football. Now it's just a matter of gelling. So I'm and excited. Better, and here's the other thing, Ballas. It's good. They've been right in the shadows of an elite offensive line and watched how it was done. The blueprint yeah. is right there. So all the offseason work, the drills, the training, the film studying, the jump roping, the, the foot drills, all they, they've seen it. Yeah. All they got to do is do it. Yeah. And when you're out there, when you when you go out of the Michigan Stadium and one of your first starts and you kind of glance around and the lights are on, the television cameras are there and, you know, it's a big, big moment. I guarantee you, Grant and Sharon Moore and everybody, you just you just go back to what you've been practicing. You get in the same stance. You listen to the same quarterback. It's the same play you've been practicing. And the first thought is, where is my first foot going? Yeah. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. And you just do what you've practiced. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. DJ Shummer, do you like hinting at left tackle or right tackle and why? We kind of just talked about that. And what do you see in Gentry? What do you think is his best fit? Well, you know, quite honestly, right off the bat, it's early. We don't really know a whole lot, yeah. but I like hitting it right. And yeah. I take Gentry at left. Yep. I agree. And it's simple as that because of just a familiarity thing. I think, you know, look at look at Carson Barnhart. He moved around a little bit, and ultimately he was best and most effective where he played the most already. Yep. Put the guys where they're the strongest and, and develop them where they're at. Yep, I agree. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I can't wait. Uh, again, spring ball is right around the corner, man. There's no spring trip this year, unfortunately. Uh, they were talking about Hawaii at one point. I was packing my lays and everything in my Hawaiian. It's going to borrow a couple of Hawaiian shirts from John Borton, but apparently that's going to be scrapped until at least uh, – 
next year. Sasquatch 616, he's one of our smartest Bigfoot uh, contributors. Uh, how do you feel about knockers? Are they an important part of the entire package or just there for decoration? Knockers? What what, what are we talking about? Door knockers, dummy. Oh, this <laughs> <laughs> is a door hardware question. <laughs> yeah, right. Never mind. Uh, yeah, I think he was just having a little fun with us. Okay. No, they're just decoration. They're just, yeah, you know, okay. they're, they're, yeah. they're just decoration. I'm old school. I like, you know, to knock on the door, just hit the doorbell button if you have yeah. one of those. Or now it's the ring button, right? Oh, you can say hello, face. yeah, and talk to and, people. It's right. And they can scan your face to see if you're a terrorist or something like that. So um, if you're looking at the portal for an offensive lineman, which position would you be specifically looking for the most? Colonel Kilgore wants to go, I'm guessing, left tackle, right? There's a reason those guys get paid the most money, isn't there? Or maybe seven. Yeah, I think, well, you, you got to have three tackles mm -hmm. or guys that can play it. So if you default – if you default by saying, I'm going to go find a guy that can play tackle, that person can always go play guard. But guards can't always play tackle. Yep. So usually the most talented guys are the guys that are on the edge. They have a little more athleticism in guards and tackles. We like to argue about that in locker rooms. But generally speaking, guys that can move the best are playing tackle, and they are the most versatile guys, not necessarily the same going inward to outward. Yeah. Um, what does it take? Half of Michigan wants to know, What's it take to win a fourth straight Big Ten title? You're one of the few guys that have ever done this, not just at Michigan, but anywhere, not just as a player, but program wide. Yeah, what's it take? That's a great, that's a great question. What's it what's it takes has already started. And so there's usually a meeting in January when it's all said and done. This team got a little bit of a late start for celebrating the, the titles that they won. Um, but there's usually a, a players meeting. We kind of, you know put last season behind you and realize the goal is still at the height of the game. We want to, we want to do what we just did. And yet we are now the hunted. Everybody in America wants a piece of us. So we have to up our game, which means in the off season workouts, we got to work even harder than we did before to get to the top in our film study. We've got to be more disciplined. We've got to spend a little more time studying and, and getting together before we try to take on somebody else. Yep. We need to talk to each other more about what we need to work on more. And it just creates more demand for more expectations of each other in spring football. And so the challenge is just, it just gets bigger and bigger. And so I can remember having those discussions amongst us as, you know, the next guy left Desmond Howard's not coming back for his last year. Oh my gosh, how are we going to overcome that? Well, I got to do better. I got to yeah. be a better left guard than I was last year. And Steve's got to be a better center than he was last year. And Elvis had to be a better quarterback than he was the year before. This is how it gets done, Ballas. And yet, you know, you got somebody new playing next to you, either in the offensive line or a new running back. They have to know that I'm going to be better than I was a year ago, and I'm going to help you be the greatest you can be. And there's a high expectation for each other in everything that you do. And you just go to work, man, with that, with that kind of intention uh, in mind. And that demanding of each other, that's how it get, that's how it got done. And yeah. um, it's, you know, understanding that it's going to be a little clunky at times. And so, you know, when you compare yourself to the stars that just left and you're the new person with the high expectations, you, you kind of look in the mirror a little bit differently. You kind of think of yourself a little bit differently. Like, I, I need to I need to hold the line here. I need, I, need to, I need to lose that third chin, right? Yeah, I need, I need to do the – I need to meet the expectations of the superstar that just left. Right, yep. Hey, I got to tell you, I was writing a column yesterday about leadership, and there's not a ton of guys back 
if you look at, boy, that guy's a natural leader. There were so many last year that could have been captains, right, with Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, the guys that were captains. Mike Sainer still one of the all-time greats. I think Rod Moore is going to be that guy on defense this year. But I'm looking at the offensive side of the ball, man. Colson Loveland's a quiet well, guy. I was going to say Loveland maybe, but, but if yeah. he's a quiet guy, he may not be the right thing that they need. Right. I'm trying. I'm starting so, to wonder. So it'll be, you know, but Ballas, I, I don't, I don't read too much into that as much as an honor as it is for a guy at Michigan to be voted captain, which is a big, big deal. Yeah. Just because your picture doesn't go on the wall of captains in the history of the program there inside Schumbeckler Hall, which is an awesome wall to ever have your name on, by the way, for those that are up there, um, doesn't mean that there aren't captains throughout that roster. And they do it in different ways. So if Loveland's a quiet guy, mm-hmm. he leads by his example and his performance. And then you have other guys that have bigger verbal mouths than others, and, and they find ways to lead in different in different manners. So I'm not going to be too hung up on who's captain and who's not. I'm looking more or less for development amongst the position groups. Yep. I'm going to get uh, you to get Rod Moore back on with us. I want him to talk about that pick. You actually arranged that last time. I don't know how you did it, uh, but we sold some shirts for him. We're going to do it again because that guy deserves it. What a uh, unbelievable player he has been and what an unbelievable leader. Can't wait to see what he does next. I was going to ask you, too, my own question. Which of your, your Big Ten championship rings is your favorite? They're kind of like your kids, right? And I don't mean that because you lock them away and you don't look at them for a while, right? They're, I think you're it, in a safe, but which one do you like best? It's the last one, Ballas. Okay. It's, it was the last one. It was our last year. It was our last run. It was the fifth. And it was arguably the hardest one to get because, again, like this year's team is going to experience. They're going to go for their fourth in a row. Every time you step on the field in, a, in your own stadium or someone else's, you're going to get the most intense effort to beat your ass. And it's harder to stay on top than it is to get to the top. We felt that. So when we got to the end of our run, And we looked back and said, we did it. How in the world did we do this? Well, we figured it out. It was the most satisfying because of all the challengers that are coming up. Look what Ohio State is doing, Ballas. They are all in. I mean, it's they. it it won't just be Ohio State. Michigan State's coming off the ropes. They're trying to get up off the floor from a mess. And you name the rest of Penn State's tired of losing to us and Ohio State every time we play them. I don't even know if we play them this coming year, but. And then you yeah. got the new, you got the new teams coming in the league. Everybody wants a piece of Michigan, That's and right. these guys are going to feel that from week one. Yeah, and so that will be the greatest challenge. It was our greatest challenge, but it was so gratifying to leave those football fields knowing that you gave us our best and we still beat you. Yeah. That's, I can't wait to see these guys get their opportunity. SD Hohenschel. Uh, even though offenses are different now in today's football, are blocking concepts relatively the same? I think this is a great question. Yeah, they basically are. You know, we talked about a lot of different things. The read option innovations from years ago changed things. You hear RPOs, run pass options, all that. But the concepts of blocking are the same. You're either base gap man blocking a set of guys, blocking a set of guys. You're you're blocking down. You're pulling someone around like Michigan still does a lot of. Or you're zone blocking an area and whoever shows up in it. By and large, in the game of football, that hasn't changed. You see a little nuances. Maybe you bring a tight end or an H-back or a fullback, old school, whatever it is, to come in and help complement the blocking which at times is cool and is fun. That's all fine and dandy. At times it can be confusing and a little, a little, a little clunky in there, 
But what Michigan has done in the last few years with some of the changes out of, in the backfield side of things, what's going on up front, as I keep saying in our podcast, Ballas, reminds me of the same things we did 30 years ago. Yeah, You put your yeah. left foot inside, you bring your right foot underneath you, you keep your balance, you keep your shoulders square, you move somebody off the line of scrimmage, you keep an eye on a linebacker. When he makes a decision, one of you goes and takes him, or it's zone right, zone left, I'm going on your backside hip, or you're going on mine, and I'm blocking whoever shows up. Gotcha. It's just yep. that simple. It really is. <laughs> yeah. He also wants to know, does golfing with ballast make your regular round take longer by a few hours? <laughs> and a follow-up, when you play golf with ballast, it is not. The answer, it doesn't take longer. If anything, it goes faster when ballast loses his patience Starts throwing shit. Well, I don't really just throw shit. I don't oh, know. okay. And then, and then the body language. Here's what's happened. The body language is like, yeah. Oh, well, usually when it's usually when, but it's usually when somebody's talking in my backswing or something, well, and it's not you. To be clear, that, that may be the case. It is not but, you. Uh, it doesn't take longer. It here's the challenge with golfing with ballast. <laughs> It's just like taking the field at Ohio State or when we was, when we would go down and play at Notre Dame. You have distractions coming at you. You got you got somebody who's an emotional mess, ranting and raving because they're pissed off. It's hard to keep the focus. So the great thing about when I get to play golf with Ballast and, and Bill Simonson is I get to work on my mental focus. Yeah. To just look at that ball and hit the ball all the while there's somebody arguing and yelling at each other right behind you. <laughs> and if you're a five-time Big Ten champion, it's a lot easier, I will tell you, to be a, you know what, not to be a mental midget on the golf course. Uh, so at least that's my, from my experience. So um, does facing acoustic Mike 80, does facing a dominant returning defensive lineman in practice help to shorten the adjustment period for these guys and prepare the newer offensive line starters for the upcoming season? Absolutely. Yes. Great, question. great, great insight there on that one. When you're lining up against a stud who's done it, been there, done that, was the Rose Bowl MVP and, uh, you know, defensive player of the year, all Americans, you name it. When you can measure your performance in practice against those guys, yeah. you know where you stand. Yeah. As opposed to playing someone else who maybe is the up and coming guy who you haven't seen do it yet out there on Saturdays. When you know you're practicing against those guys, it'll give it'll give this new offensive line so much confidence going into game time when they know they've been trying to block really good guys all week long. Yeah, Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Rayshon Benny, too, coming back yeah. from a broken leg. That's, a two, good, that's an yeah. elite threesome in there. I that's like pretty it. dang good, so that's a that'll be a big help. Yep. Uh, Wolverine Steve wants to know if you've ever considered being a coach or a color commentator. You would be amazing at either of those. And then he says, Ballas brings out the best in you. What a guy. Okay, I made the last part up. Yeah, but, I was going to uh, say that's that 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 yeah. second part seems scripted by somebody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I agree with him, man. Uh, you are one of the best we've ever interviewed, and and I know you coached in high school a little bit. And so, so have I ever considered coaching? Yes. Uh, one of my old teammates at Michigan, Kurt Mallory, who's the head coach at Indiana State now, and been coaching since he left Michigan. We talked many, many years ago about you know me going into coaching and and being his offensive line coach. We kind of had some fun with that dream. Uh, Mal and the whole Mallory family that's a football family that have been coaching forever. I chose not to do that because I know what the lifestyle is, and it's something that I just didn't want to do uh, as a profession. Although I still find it interesting to see the mechanics and the footwork of watching offensive linemen play, and I can see effectiveness 
and I can see success. And I also see failure right away with guys with technique. Like I mentioned earlier, you stop your feet, you bend your waist, the play's over. You're going to get somebody killed. So I did get a chance to coach youth football. That was a lot of fun. I coached the little kids. And then when my son Nathan grew up, I coached high school football and ballast. That was so much fun for me to teach these high school young men the things that I knew. And so these most of them are all undersized, right? But I, I was able to teach them where to put their hands and feet in their eyeballs and to watch them have success against dudes that were bigger, faster, stronger, and watching these little offensive linemen that I was coaching get their hands on guys and then, boom, put them on the ground. And we would track knockdowns and pancakes and everything. We had a ball with that. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. But I stopped after high school. Um, and, uh, you know, I miss, I miss the coaching part and I can see why guys love it. Grant Newsom, I can see why these coaches love it. And that's the best part. Um, the off the field stuff with some of the parents complaining and, uh, and you know, all that stuff, the head coach had to deal with that. Um, but one of the luxuries I had when I was coaching high school football, I never had a parent challenge me on what I was coaching and why, because yeah. I kind of had a little bit of credibility there, but it was Definitely. fun. Yeah. Just a or commentator, man. Could you see yourself working at the Big Ten Network? Yes. Yeah, you know, that, that'd be fun to do, too. I, You know, I sit and I listen to these guys. Some are more fun than others. I, I really miss – I miss Chris Spielman on television. Yeah, me too. I, I always enjoyed watching him and some of the things he'd say. Um, years ago when Dan Deardorff was doing television, I enjoyed watching him because he was so mm -hmm. raw and honest. I don't know that they would – I don't know if they would like me on television because – I would see some of the stuff that just still drives me nuts to this day. And yeah. the, the number one thing is probably guy makes a great play. And the first thing he does is run away from his teammates to celebrate by himself. Ballas, years ago, if we did that, we were running laps yeah. in practice yeah. the following week because no man on that football field made that play by himself. Yeah. You will turn and celebrate with your teammates and that will be more enjoyable and have a more negative impact on your opponent than you running off and celebrating by yourself. So yeah. if I'm sitting here watching a football game, I would say something and then I would be fired probably the next day. And uh, and get off his lawn. Um, yes, I'm okay. old school. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm the bad guy because I like team players. No, you're not. I'm right there with you, man. And uh, if you're a dinosaur, I'm a dinosaur, buddy. So uh, this is from our favorite mullet punter, Bleed Blue 18. Which chicken sandwich is best? Popeye's KFC or Chick-fil-A? Great question, mullet guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> chicken sandwich story, as we talked about in our podcast, right? You know, we talk about guys looking for the chicken sandwich, get me out of here, uh, is a reference to when you leave, when you go into the, the game afterwards and there's a box for you on a big church table and you yeah. grab your chicken sandwich, you get your ass in the bus and you go home. Well, some of those taste really good when you've won. Uh, other guys, when they're looking at the at the play clock to get the hell out of Michigan Stadium because we're getting destroyed, that's the guy that's looking for his chicken sandwich and don't want to play football anymore. So that's what the reference is there for anybody not paying attention. Uh, the best chicken sandwich, great one, but you know, I, the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick Fil A, I think mm -hmm. I think is better. Now, my son Nathan and I have had this debate. He's a Popeyes spicy chicken sandwich guy. I've tried the Popeyes. I was a little underwhelmed. Um, no disrespect to Popeyes. It, it was good, but I felt like the Chick-fil-A was a little bit better. Well, there you so go. there you go. I like the Chick-fil-A sauce. There's no question about it. Did the specialists like Chris Stapleton like just get little boxes of raisins or something like that? Or did, <laughs> were they allowed to have eat 
chicken sandwiches too. Yeah, no, there's uh, they got the same chicken sandwich yeah. as everybody else, but yeah, we always ask good. for the extras. It's like, give me, give me your candy bar, or your chips that went. You should have just beat him up and taken his candy bar. Hey, no, mullet boy, give me your candy bar. I think Everett probably did, but just give me that. Just get out of my way. I was too nice, Dallas. I know that's great. Um, all right, a couple more here, and then I'm going to let you go. Could your 92 offensive line have moved the ball on the ground against this 23 defensive line? Ooh, yeah, great question. Mm. Yes, we would have moved the ball on the ground. Yes, the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, uh, hey, listen, Nugent, Nugent, really nice center. He wasn't Steve Everett. And no. uh, I know a lot of people watching and listening don't remember what Steve was like at a center, but, man, he was good. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, ask Skeen to take us through his morning routine. I don't think we're going to do that one. If it's if it's a good day, I ride the Peloton in the morning for a half hour with one of my favorite trainers, and then I have some oatmeal with some blueberries and walnuts, and then I, I go off to work. Well, that is That's what I do. That is one old man answer there. And then did Doug know Mike Lemerand, linebacker from Wisconsin? Uh that name sounds familiar, but I don't know that I know. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, very good, man. That's going to do it uh, for this show. GR Law, a good friend of mine, Bruce Cortade, who's the most annoying person you've ever golfed with. We're going to let that one go. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's me. I, I, I have an it. answer for that. It's not. It's not Ballas. Thank you. All right. Um, it's not. It's that I. I for work here. I. I. I once took a customer. Um, we, a customer invited one of his contacts, and we played at Michigan which is my favorite golf course. I love that yes. golf course right across from the stadium there. Yes. And um, that individual that was out there with us that day complained a lot about the golf course and what it didn't have and why don't they have this? And, the, you know, my golf course has that. And I'm like, I looked at the guy that invited him. I was like, uh, what's the deal here? You know, I paid for the golf. It was a beautiful day. We're playing golf at, you know, the Michigan course, which is an awesome golf course. And needless to say, that guy has not been back. Okay. Well, there you have it. So uh, I'm glad I'm a little relieved by that one. Uh, my last question for you. You once said that there would be a day when I beat you on the golf course. You've seen my game. I've got potential. Do mm -hmm. you still feel that way now that you've seen what a disaster I am mentally in this game? Uh, listen, I've, I've said all along because uh, yep. I've seen you play golf. When yep. you can find, when you can find the silence in your head and you can, you can swing the golf ball, swing the club with some fluidness instead of jumping at it. Yeah. Ballas, you will, but you got to remember, I'm working. I'm thinking about this. Yeah. I'm planning and I'm 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 visualizing my my arms and my hips when I'm playing. And even now in the winter time, even in a soft winter like this, you're you're gonna have to work harder, Ballas, if you want to actually attain that. Yeah. Because there's there's been times. I mean, didn't you beat me once over there at Tullymore when I, I, I was having a bad day? And you I beat did, me? yeah. But I think it was a part of a team thing. I'm not sure. I did have a better score than you. However, it was a team yeah. thing, so we don't count that. It's not like head to head. But yeah, who's that, the guy? That, Johnny, is it Joe Damon? Who's the kid? The golfer, uh, Damon D A H M E N. Did you watch that? That's me. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for the cart girl on four. You know. <laughs> By 12, you know, I'm playing great golf. And by 14, I can barely hit the ball, right? Because A, I'm pissed off at somebody talking to my backswing. B, I've had like four drinks. And C, I'm just like, okay, that's enough. My, my arm hurts or something, you know? Whereas now, you, if whereas you, you know, are lining it up and just freaking working on a course record, you know? I am, I, am, I am trying to emulate my favorite pro golfers, both the men and the ladies. 
because I watch them with their process and I try to duplicate the process. Because remember now, a lot of these pro golfers, they're playing in an atmosphere where people are talking and, you know, making noise and everything else. Look at the guys in the Phoenix Open. They're out there a month ago playing with dudes yelling in their backswing. So yeah. you just have to play through it and find a way to silence the noise. Easier it's possible. I have faith in you. You can do it. All right. Well, we'll see. You have a lot more faith than I do. I think I played three times last year all with you. So anyway, I can't wait, though, to do that with Bill Simonson and the Tullymore Classic. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to our site. Uh, we'll get some more with Doug Steen. We're going to get Rod Moore on here, I hope, here in another week or two and get him back to talk about that Ohio State game and national championship, what it would mean to be him to be a Michigan captain. But we really appreciate you all. Doug, always appreciate your time. And we will do it again soon. All right. Go Blue.